Good evening from Plughead Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 504 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, for uh, August 5th, 2018. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Apple is tightening, tightening its grip on the App Store. Google is losing their grip on Google Play, and YouTube plans a better music experience. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on um, one of our live stream platforms, including Livestream, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Periscope, Mixer, and Twitch, on uh, any of the number of subscription platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, or uh, the variety of other podcatchers on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Google+, uh, or of course on our apps, plugitslive.com slash apps. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Um, this here, like I said, is F5 Live, refreshing technology, the flagship show on the Plug Hits Live family of content. We are live every Sunday night at about 9 p.m. Eastern, and we go for about an hour, and we will talk about uh, the news of the week, gadgets, gaming, internet, media, and... Uh, there are two ways that you can watch the show. The first is live on Sunday night by going to f5live.tv slash join us. There, you can join us in the chat room and uh, chat with us during the show and give your opinions uh, and your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. Uh, we always enjoy that, including on the Pilch Point in a little while where uh, we'll be talking about a topic that apparently has caused some, uh, some uh, uproar on the internet this week, which I look forward to hearing about. Um, so definitely give us some, uh, your opinions on those topics, but if you cannot join us, that is okay. Uh, you can always subscribe to the shows by going to pointkitslive.com slash subscribe. And there you will see all of our shows, including F5 Live from the Pilch Point, our special events feed, which is, uh, currently receiving collision content, first looks and more. And, uh, I think with that, uh, that's the spiel. Avram, how are you doing this week? Oh, not bad. Not too bad. Uh, all right. Um, you know, moving along. Lots of stuff. Lots going on. Um, you know, hey, my son and I uh, put together some more Arduino stuff this week. Nice. That's what I'm most excited about. Um, he's really getting getting into it, um, you know, wanting me to do more stuff with it with him. So sure. uh, that's cool. Yesterday we... Yesterday he made like a Lego a Lego mount for an Arduino, and then like I worked with me, and I had like did like a light sensor thing and whatever. But um, you know, so he he likes that. He talks about uh, you know our Arduino robots. So uh, so that was fun. Ever since we did that uh, did that car, um, it's been it's been cool. And he actually did his own hands on video with the car too, which. Uh, I put up publicly on on Facebook so people can see a video of my six year old son doing uh, his his review of the Elegoo smart car, um, and at the end of it he says Elegoo out. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that video, uh, and that I was, tweeted at so and Elegoo saw it too, and they're like, "Oh, we love this." Oh. That's fun because uh, they saw your episode about it as well and uh commented. Oh, yeah oh see cool well i guess i'm i 
I guess them and their 400 followers are going to be like... But uh, they do make a lot of really neat Arduino uh, stuff, and I actually bought another like electronics kit uh, from Amazon this week that was an Elegoo kit that came with a bunch of like resistors and wires and lights and stuff to kind of stock up on that. It's but uh, it's it's them and Seed. They're the they're kind of the two big ones when it comes to like Arduino kits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we may get to a point where we graduate to Raspberry Pi kit. Raspberry Pi kits, I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, we're having fun with these. Uh, I might be having more fun, uh, even more fun than my son is. But, you know, like he, he enjoys it, but he's actually not paying too much attention to the programming part. And I am. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, wow, this is really neat. What can I do next? What can I do next with it? Uh-huh. We've got, I actually, actually, I pose this question to the to any audience who is watching this now or in the now or, or later. Um what you know? What would be some cool projects to do that would actually have some some purpose to them? I have a couple of ideas that maybe are more Raspberry Pi than Arduino ideas, but that's okay. I'm willing to do a Raspberry Pi project too. Um, you know, one idea was my uh, uh, my managing editor uh, Matt Safford really loves looking at web feeds of Scotland, which he's a huge, uh, Scotland fan goes for a month every year. And we talked about making a virtual window to Scotland that we put on the wall that would just constantly be showing a feed. Um, you know, another possibility we talked about is building like, uh, doing a build your own telepresence robot Mm -hmm. because, I really, I would really like to have telepresence robot for some of our people who don't work in the office with us, uh, but it's expensive to get one. So I wonder how expensive it would be to get like a, you know, take a Raspberry Pi and a, um, you know, an LE, an LCD screen that, that attaches to it, get a casing for it. You know, I guess we have to get something with a good case and a good screen and then somehow mount it on like, you know, we could put it like right in an area between a bunch of desks. So if we could just mount it on like a rotational motor, then yeah. we could, then we could just have the person who who's controlling it. Just they don't even have to walk. They could just kind of swivel. Sure. Um, so I'm wondering like if that's a cool, that would be a cool project. And then what, like what fun. software, what software would you use for that? Like, would you be like, if you wanted to, this is a serious question and I don't know if you know the answer or audience was the answer. I don't think Skype is what you want. Like if you wanted to, let's say we have our, our assistant managing editor, Ange, who works out of Los Angeles and we always want to be chatting with her and it would be great if she just like lived on a screen in our office. Yeah. But how would you set up something where somebody could literally be just like casually on with you all day? Yeah. Like, is there, is there a way of doing that? I mean, I don't think you want to have a Skype call that's going all day long is there some kind of like two-way webcam or something that you can have going i mean what um yeah probably <laughs> um yeah skype's probably not the platform for that but uh yeah i could see there are some there are some embedded uh video chat clients that uh that would probably work yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking maybe it's a crazy idea, like just culturally speaking, just like for your office culture, like literally have her there, like have a webcam, have her webcam, I don't know if she'll want to do this, right. have her webcam in her office all, 
in her home office, like on all day with sound, you know, and she can hear us and we can hear her, you know, and instead of just like, hey, let's make a call. You just sort of look up and be like, hey, what do you think of that? Right. Like we do with other people. Right. Exactly. I don't know how how feasible that is. But if it was feasible, if there was a person willing to do it to participate in that, like what software would you use? And could you build a little a uh, little station with a Raspberry Pi to oh. do it and just stay online all day to do it? Oh, absolutely. You could build it. Um, it would actually be not a terribly difficult project. and It might be kind of fun to do. Um, yeah. I'm running through my head all the things now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I. I know there's an official res. I'll, I'll let us get to the talking part, but I, I seriously, it's a good question for us. I know there's an official seven-inch Raspberry Pi screen which you can sort of get a case for, mm-hmm. but I wonder if there's a bigger one that you can get because seven inches is pretty small. Like, could you get a ten or an eleven or something? I, f- I feel like Adafruit sells a whole bunch of screen sizes. Ah, uh, cool. Yeah, they're, they're I mean, more they're more Arduino based. Uh, Adafruit is, but I know they've got Raspberry Pi stuff as well. Yeah, I think. yeah. I I don't think you you could do the video chat with our with Arduino. I don't think it's really made for. I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I it's not try. really made to be on. It's not really made to be online or do something like video. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think Arduino only has like what 16 kilobytes of memory or something. Yeah, something so. like that. Yeah, I would, so. I would definitely do Raspberry Pi uh, for sure. <laughs> that sounds like a fun project, though. I uh, It is going to rattle around in my head for a little while. Well, if you come up with some thoughts, I, I seriously would love to do it. I would love to do it, and I would love to write it up as a story. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I really love these doing these kind of projects, and now that my, my son is showing some interest in it, like he's in wax and wings with this but it gives me some some more runway to actually do stuff because i'll be like sure. hey why don't we build this and he'd be like cool you yeah. know before i'd be sort of like oh, i want to build this and you're like no play with me and then by the time i get to building it it's nighttime right right after he's gone to sleep and i if i have time i better be doing some work so so like uh you know having him participate is actually good the best thing for me yeah that makes sense uh, yeah. <laughs> well I will definitely think on that, and if any of our uh, viewers have any ideas, uh, definitely get at Avram with your with your suggestions. Yep. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is probably powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for the new Surface Go, a Surface Book, an Xbox One, either S or X, um, or a variety of other products, including VR and augmented reality, Windows Mixed Reality headsets, uh, phones, and tablets, and laptops, and oh my, um, micro- the Microsoft Store uh, has it all, and uh, since it is back to school time, there are a variety of sales going on. And to find out about all those deals, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. And don't forget that students get a discount. So, um, let's talk about Apple for a little while, because that's kind of normal for us. Uh, so, uh, ever since 
the uh, the app stores went into place. Um, one of the kind of most popular ways of discovery of new apps has been through the affiliate program. If you don't know what that is, um, it is uh, the way that uh, websites and influencers are able to generate some revenue by recommending new apps. Uh, you see it happen um, a lot through um, like Instagram. Sometimes you'll see celebrities and stuff uh, promoting apps. You'll see it in like uh, Facebook videos a lot as well. Um, but then there are also like review sites, right? Where they review new apps and things like that. And um, so even at its lowest point, the uh, affiliate program for the Apple App Store has been responsible for uh, 7% of all app downloads. That is at its lowest point, 7%. I, I have to tell you, by the way, that Tom Tom's Guide, our, our sister site and mm -hmm. where I used to work, does does a bunch of app stories, and I know that they've used the affiliate uh, program for the App Store. Yeah, it, it makes sense. A lot, you know, a lot of publishers that are doing app-based stories do because it's a way to, you know, monetize your story, which is when we're dealing with, you know, the free web, uh, as Avram and I have talked about a lot, you know, monetizing content when you're providing it for free is difficult, as you see in our own show. Uh, so um, at at its lowest lowest point, uh, seven percent of all app downloads came through the affiliate program, which is a huge percentage for external sales. Um, and uh, so it's Im the the reason, of course, why this is the case is because uh, the app store uh, discoverability has never been good. Uh, at at no point has has Apple's app discovery been a good experience they tried with the today tab when they introduced it in either ios 11 or maybe 10 but i think it was 11 um they tried but uh when i was when i was researching uh the story uh, before we went on the air the thing that it was advertising to me was texting for tweens well that's not relevant to me so <laughs> All of the things I discovered, I don't care about, which is obviously not uh, useful. And so, you know, these sites where you can go and filter down and find things that are for you have been really great. Well, Apple announced this week they are shutting down the app and in-app purchase affiliate program, which is disappointing for a number of reasons. Uh, first, of course, is the publishers. Right. All of a sudden, these publishers who may have tried to build their business on this have little or no uh, revenue model, which is not good. But then that means that we have less ways of discovering new apps, which means that the big guys will continue to grow and the little guys have less ways of getting their name out there, um, which is disappointing. The reasoning they give for this is that and I quote, with the launch of the new app store on both iOS and macOS and their increased methods of app discovery, we will be removing apps from the affiliate program. Now, um, I have a device running the current iOS beta and I have not seen an app store change. Um, 
I have seen no reference to an app store change. So I don't know what may be coming. Hopefully it's not something as a uh, kind of half hearted as the today tab. Um, what do you think, Abram? I think it re- it really sucks when uh, when a company that's basically made their bones on a, on affiliate revenue basically leaves those um, publishers out to hanging out to dry. Um, now, to be fair, I don't think they ever paid very well for the paid those affiliates very well in the first place, but you know. It's, uh, I mean, it, I mean, the other thing is that they still get the benefit of those links, I assume. Yes. Of anybody who has not removed the links. Correct. Uh, and they will get, and for sites that wish to write about this stuff, which people will continue to want to write about it, they will also get um, the benefit of it. They will get, get it for free. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it is really only fair that um, that these sites, which are making a lot of money, uh, you know, Apple making a lot of money, just as Amazon makes a lot of money off of affiliate links, and mm-hmm. uh, some other sites do. A lot of other sites do also. I mean, you know, someone is driving you driving you traffic. That's a sale that you might not have other. You probably would not have otherwise made. Uh, so, you know, they deserve some credit for it. And meanwhile, unless they're doing something to to give the people who click on the current affiliate links, the millions of them that are out there, a 404 error, they're, they're stopping paying for something and still continuing to get the benefit of it. Yep, exactly. And that's, that is neither fair nor um, appropriate, I think. Um, you know, now, yes, a web publisher is free to go through and strip all the links out of their old articles now, but but what a who's pain. gonna? But who would do that? Right, like you don't have the time. Like you're going to spend time to make sure that you're not sending traffic to Apple and articles that you have about Apple, uh-huh. and and you're not really getting any benefit from taking the time to strip it out. I mean, it might make you not want to to link to them in the future. But again, if this is you're providing a service to your audience, your audience cares about this stuff, then you want to link to it. I mean, you know, a link is is like, you know, is a recommendation. So if I recommend something and I don't link to it, then I'm kind of giving leaving the audience, my readers a little bit, you know, in the lurch. I mean, I'm sure they can Google to find things that they want, but you know, I mean, it's the internet. We should link to things when we talk about them. Yeah. And that's what the web is designed for. Um, so, um, uh, what? Yeah. So normally when you don't link to something that you're talking about in detail like that, right? The, the reason why you would do that, like there's a reason why you wouldn't do that. Like when you read about, um, uh, Google apps, uh, Android apps that are, uh, um, unofficial APKs off the play store. Normally 
uh, publishers won't link to those because, you know, you are hijacking and stuff like that. Who knows? It becomes a, a bad link at some point. And uh, now it's a malicious version of the same APK. Um, so if you're not linking to it, it feels like there's a reason. Because normally there is, because that's what the web is about. And so now all of a sudden it's it starts to feel like maybe you don't have the same confidence in the topic or in the product that you're discussing. And you now it starts to feel weird. And uh, that's not good for anybody either. It's... It's definitely unfortunate. Um, I, if they stick with this, uh, it it'll go away on October first. It will not uh, remove any of the other products, books and music and videos and all the other things that are part of the affiliate program. Um, it'll go away October first, and my guess is that we will see whatever Apple's replacement, whatever they believe is the increased discoverability uh, then uh, but there's obviously no telling that time frame is about when we should be hearing about the new iPhone so maybe it'll be in conjunction with that who knows uh, but it, it's definitely unfortunate for uh, the publishers yep I mean, it, I, I just, I feel bad. I feel bad for the publishers. I really do. I hope this isn't part of a trend where you see other uh-huh. uh, online places sort of pull out of their affiliate programs because, uh, you know, the, I mean, obviously, if you have a brand, you might think that your brand, I mean, it, truth be told, if you want to download apps on iPhone or iPad, that's the only place you can go. Right. But nobody says that you have to. Da- but it's a mistake to think that people are just going to go download all kinds of apps without reading about them. So, right. yeah, yeah. Hopefully, this is not a new trend. Yeah. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Newegg. Whether you're looking for a new hard drive, a processor, a case, a cooling fan, uh, Newegg is the place to go. Uh, They run daily deals on uh, must-have components, and uh, they have, I would say, the best selection of, uh, of parts at great prices available anywhere online. And uh, you can find those daily deals and uh, shop their parts by going to pilchpoint.live slash newegg. Now, uh, we're going to talk about uh, one particular component of a computer that uh, has uh, caused a little bit of uh, noise online this week, right? Well, we did a story about it in uh, Tom's Hardware about um, how to get Windows, Windows 10 for, uh, for cheap or free. Uh, now, why, why would you need to get Windows 10? Let's just take a step back for a second. You need to get Windows 10 because if you're building your own PC, which a lot of our audience is building their own PCs, I have to say, then you will um, inevitably find, hey, you need an operating system. 
Uh, and unfortunately, if you were to go about getting the operating system the way that Microsoft would probably like you to, it's going to be one of the most expensive components in your system. Uh, Microsoft charges, I believe, $139 to get a uh, to to buy Windows 10 Home uh, to put to put on your your home built PC. Now, think about this: when you buy a computer from a manufacturer like Acer or Lenovo or Dell. I promise you they are not paying $139 for your for your Windows license. There's no way that they could charge you what they are charging you and pay this full price for Windows. Right. Now, they buy exactly and buy the how hundreds much, of thousands. The, exactly how much they're paying is kind of a well-guarded secret. I've tried to find out for years, uh, and it may not be the same for all, but... But they probably are paying very little for, you know, to put a Windows license on your lap, new laptop or your new desktop, you know. And I believe that what I've heard is in the case of some of the really cheap ones, like your sub $200 laptop, they may even be getting it for 100% free from Microsoft because Microsoft wants to be on those devices uh, rather than having Chrome take that market share, it depends. So on the, it depends on the size of the screen. Yeah, I, I know they have. I don't know if the rules have changed. I know they had something about like if you had two gigs of RAM, then you could get it. Then the manufacturer could get Windows for free. But if four gigs was a step too far, and the screen had to be, I think, below thirteen inches or something. I'm, who knows? I don't know if those rules are still consistent. And Microsoft doesn't like to publicize this stuff because they don't want what they don't want you to know is if you build your own computer, you are paying a really hefty Windows tax or they want you to pay a really hefty Windows tax. Hundred thirty nine bucks. I mean, you might build your whole computer with your CPU, your GPU, your RAM, your SSD for five hundred bucks and then wait one hundred thirty nine bucks just to put the windows on. So here's where your alternatives come in. One one is. One way to get Windows for 100% free is if you had Windows on an older computer that you are no longer going to be using. Uh, so you can recycle that key, that product key, and you may even be able to use a product key from a Windows 7 or Windows 8 installation and download 10. You may have, you may or may not. So if that works for you and you can use that Windows key again, you're golden, and and it's uh, and it doesn't cost you anything. One thing to note, by the way, is just in case your folks aren't aware, downloading Windows is no problem at all. Mm -hmm. Microsoft has a public website you can go to and download the latest version of Windows 10 as an ISO file, which you can then put onto a USB flash drive or an optical disc, a DVD, if you still have a DVD drive, and boot off of that to install Windows on your new computer. So there's no need to worry about downloading Windows from an illegitimate source or get buying a download disk or anything like that. Like right. Microsoft makes it available to everyone. The question is when you're installing it, what do you do because it's gonna ask you for the product key. So if you have an existing product key, great, use that. 
Another possibility, and some would say this is immoral, I'm not going to pass judgment, is that you don't actually have to activate Windows. Uh, if you don't put in a product key at the installation time, it will put a little watermark in the lower right hand corner of your screen saying this Windows is not activated. And it will nag you to activate, I think, periodically. It may nag you, I don't know how much. And it restricts you from doing a couple of things like changing your wallpaper and changing your, doing some customizations to the look and feel of Windows. However, you will still get Windows updates. Uh, you will still, you'll still get Windows updates. Your computer will not turn itself off every few hours as was the case with, I think, Windows 8 or something when you didn't activate. Mm -hmm. So I know people who have been running unactivated Windows 10 for like months and months and have had no problems other than that they have this watermark and they can't change their wallpaper or, or, or Windows theme. Interesting. Uh, so, so that's a way to get it for free. It's not, I mean, I, I kind of feel, I, I don't really want to recommend that, but uh, many folks do it. Um, I don't want to recommend that because it's kind of wrong to, to do this without, to download something like that as a paid product and then not pay for it. Um, you know, of course, Microsoft could take a more aggressive approach, and maybe they will at some point. Uh, but right now, it seems to be that they they don't punish you a great deal for not activating. Uh, the third way to get to get uh, to get Windows is to buy a discount a key from a discount reseller. So this is where the controversy really comes in, because some folks are worried that these keys that are being sold for like thirty bucks. Are, uh, for Windows 10 are are not legit. Uh, and uh, we have an article up on Tom's Hardware about this. We interviewed uh, someone from the website Kingwin, K-I-N-G-U-I-N, which sells a lot of uh, discount uh, Windows keys. And what they said is, this is not even a gray market. This is, le this is legitimate. These resellers are buying these keys wholesale from OEMs that, that have a surplus, don't need them. Why they don't need them, you know, is kind of an open question. Maybe they maybe they got them and then they decided to put Linux on the machines or maybe they got them for hardware that they're not doing. I don't know. But, um, but there are surplus keys out there and sites like Kingwin uh, will sell them to you for, they have resellers there who will sell them to you for like, you know, as low as 28 bucks. And then when you download Windows, you enter that key and it should work to activate it. Now, there's some concern that a reseller in there could be selling already used keys, illegitimate keys. However, most of the sites that are out there, like Kingwin, actually have uh, guarantees out there that if you are sold a bad key, because they are not actually the seller, they are right. a marketplace. Sure. Uh, they will they will get you another one they will they will make it right uh, and they do periodically do a quality control check by buying a key themselves to see if it works huh. so uh you know at least kingwin does we can't vouch for sure. the dozens of websites like kingwin that do this uh but there are a lot of them out there i think one is called scd and there are a bunch out there and you definitely should do your homework and see whether this site is um legit these sites also sell keys for games, and uh, in our Tom's Hardware community, a lot of the, the readers were saying, hey, wait a second, these sites have kind of a checkered reput 
these things have kind of a checkered reputation for selling game keys that may not be legit or having sellers, I should say having sellers sure. that sell game keys that are not legit because Kingwin does not actually sell anything. It's more like they're like eBay or like Amazon is with, uh, you know, Amazon's third party sellers. So, sure. um, you know, and I can't speak to that, but it sounds like getting the Windows keys is pretty low risk this way. Doesn't sound like it's illegal or anything. So you're spending maybe 30 bucks to get something that Microsoft charges you 139 bucks for. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you that Microsoft is probably charging Dell, you know, 15 or 20 bucks for, you know, just my guesstimate there. So, so, you know, I think this makes sense. Now, if you don't want to buy it from a site that you had that's that you think might be shady, um, sites like Newegg and Amazon also sell OEM Windows 10 keys, and theirs are more like $90. So it's not cheap, but it's cheaper than Microsoft. So, you know, those are your options. Once you've activated Windows, you're eligible for all the Windows 10 tech support and everything. So there's no reason at all why you would want to pay the full price to, to pay Microsoft. No reason, because no matter where you get Windows, if you've got a legitimate activation key, you get the same Windows and you get the same support. So, you know, my two cents on this is if I had to buy a Windows, I would go and buy it from one of these low cost sites like Kingwin because 90 bucks is a lot of money to spend on an operating system. I understand Windows is important, Windows is, is worth it, but but let's let's put this in some perspective. Microsoft is the only company, uh, only major operating system vendor that charges you for the operating system. So maybe that's why they're not penalizing people who download it, uh, who don't activate. Maybe that's why uh, Microsoft made it so so easy and free for people to upgrade to Windows 10 from 8 and 7 because they know that the, the, the model, the business model of charging people for an operating system is one that is, is kind of going away. Now, somebody's got to pay for this operating system to be maintained. So I guess, you know, I guess that's where the money comes in. I mean, Mac OS is free, but on the other hand, you're sort of paying for its development when you buy a Mac because right. they're the only ones that have it. And, you, and Linux is free. Um, but as we discussed in talking about Linux, it's not, uh, you know, it's not nearly as polished as windows, but you know, Android is free. Um, so, you know, it's, I think that, you know, really you should do what you can to get windows for an affordable price. If you're building your own computer, because it's really unfair that, you know, you're that Microsoft expects you to pay well over a hundred dollars uh, to get something that they will sell to other companies for for a lot less. Yeah, uh, the 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 pricing on it is definitely, I think, antique at this point, because uh, the the price for a home install hasn't adjusted much either up or down in several versions of Windows now, uh, and like you said, it's now. You know they've gone to the the kind of the same model that Apple has, where it's 
more of a operating system as a as a service than than anything. So yeah, it it's and, definitely a lot of money uh, up front and, when you know that it's not being charged to your laptop. And and let's and let's not forget Microsoft makes money whether you whether people pay for it or not because they're collecting all this user data on you to show you advertising and things like that. So so it's not um, you know Microsoft is is making out uh, on more than just the uh, the cost of the Windows license. And, you know, Microsoft's decision to basically penalize system builders is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in, in this business because, I mean, I guess, they real, I guess they're thinking that nobody actually will pay the $139, but, like, why, if you're Microsoft, why would you want to discourage Yeah people from building their own hardware and using your operating system on it. Why wouldn't you want to discourage discourage that? Don't you want people to be using your operating system? Don't you want like why why do you want to penalize you know the 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 you know millions of people who are buying components and building their own computers. Yeah. And and the people who are tend to be the more power user, right? It's not it's not my parents that are building their own computers. It's you and I. <laughs> yeah. Now, what I hear out there, and you know, I don't have any scientific evidence to prove this, is that a lot of those folks are just not activating Windows, or they have an old key somewhere that they're using, and they're not paying 139 bucks. But you know, really, um, you know, Microsoft should should you know Microsoft should be charging. You know, it doesn't cost them anything extra. It's not like it's hardware where they have to have a limited, they have to buy materials and manufacture it. Right. You know, so it doesn't, you know, they don't, I don't, and how many people are actually spending the 139 bucks? Is this such a profit center for them that they can't afford to charge people a fair price? Isn't that a number you'd like to know? I mean, how many people are doing it? I I don't know. Anyway. That's my rant, and I'm sticking to it. But the bottom line is, check out our article on TomsHardware.com, and you, if you need Windows for a build that you're doing, or for some reason you can't upgrade, update, you have an older system and you can no longer update it from seven or eight, you can get Windows 10 really, really, really cheaply. Well, as always, Avram, uh, thank you. I love that. Um, it's like, like you said, there's. There's lots of ways to do it, and $139 shouldn't be uh, your solution. So, um, so thanks for that. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the accessories you need to up your game, whether it be on PC or on console, you can get from Razer. Whether you're looking for a keyboard or a mouse, a controller, or even uh, a webcam uh, for broadcasting, or you need a whole gaming PC, um, you can get it from Razer. And they're always running uh, some deal of the day right now. 
uh, the deal is on the Razer phone. You can save an extra $100 off the Razer phone, the uh, Android phone designed for gamers. Um, to find out all the deals and uh, all the other products that are available, you can go to f5live.tv slash Razer. Speaking of gaming on Android, let us talk about gaming on Android. Uh, in particular, Fortnite, which we all know is kind of owning the gaming industry right now and kind of pushing where the industry goes as we've seen even big titles like uh, Call of Duty bring an aspect of Battle Royale into their games, which is a pretty big deal. Um, and Fortnite is definitely at the forefront of that movement. Um, it is like Minecraft. It is available basically everywhere. Um, all three consoles, iPhone, iPad. Um, obviously, if you're on PlayStation, you can't play with anybody else. But um, that's a different issue. Uh, the one place where it is not right now is on Android devices. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, it was announced that this summer that it would be coming to Android. That time is almost here. And um, as it turns out, they're going to do something surprising. And they're not going to distribute it through uh, Google Play, which is definitely unusual. Because um, while Android is an open a free and open platform like we talked about in the pilch point it um is also it does have security features built in you cannot sideload apps uh immediately most of the time unless you're running oreo in which the process has changed but if you're uh pre-oreo you can't just sideload an app you've got to go into your settings and you've got to enable unsecure content and once you do that all of a sudden now other things can try to install on your device uh, with Oreo they've actually gone to more of a, a Windows style approach when you try to install from the outside it comes up with a dialogue that says hey you know it's not always a great idea to install things from the outside world are you sure you want to do this you basically say yes and you can install it um, as a one-off thing which is obviously better than let me install everything because Web websites are going to start trying to do that without you knowing. But anyway, um, it's definitely weird for something as high profile as Fortnite to say, we're skipping Google Play. Now, here's the reason. Um, their CEO basically said that they didn't want to participate in what they consider to be a monopoly on uh, apps on the platform. Now, that may sound weird considering almost everywhere else that they are, all of the consoles and iOS um, are also monopolies on, on where you can install from. Uh, but they did say that if, uh, if they had the option, they would allow side loading on iOS, Xbox, PlayStation and switch as well. Um, obviously their install method on, on Windows and Mac is from their website and the process will be identical for Android. I think that this is gonna at least somewhat limit 
their scale and possibly open mm. them up to to some uh, some action when kids inevitably disable learn how to disable the security on their Android device and then uh, fill it up with things that are stealing their data and parents come after them. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm really excited about this. I uh, I mean, I'm not a big Fortnite player, but I'm excited to be able to sideload Fortnite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I wish more companies would do something like this. Because now, I understand there's an economic incentive. I think that they would have to give some types of commissions on in-app purchases to Google. 30%. If they were in. Yeah, so, so there's money to be made here, although they may lose more people that would have played right. and they gained by, by the, the profit. So it was a business decision. I'm not sure it's a good business decision from where I stand though. I love this move for, for a couple of reasons. One, I've, it's nearly impossible to sideload games on Android unless you have this situation uh-huh. where the manufacturer is doing it. There are a whole bunch of websites that claim to have APKs you can download but they make it so difficult. You have to download special software to get the APK. Uh-huh. It's all very shady. And then every time I've done used something like that, it always tries to download. Like it always like you can install the APK, but then it tries to download the program tries to download some type of update from uh-huh. Google Play Store or something, and it doesn't really work. Or it's now or it's using some sort of a store APIs. Like if it's got in-app purchases and you try to sideload it and it calls to the store and it sees that it wasn't installed to the store, then the, then the load process will fail. Yeah, there's, there are all kinds of problems with sideloading. Now, now, let me explain why you would legitimately want to sideload something if you're a user. Um, if, you have a, if, if you have a device that is on Google Play like most Android devices are, then you would probably say, hey, it's much more convenient to have it in Google Play than to sideload it. It's not, sideloading is not something that's like advantageous to the user unless you can't get the app some other way. Now, here's where you can't get the app some other way. A lot of app manufacturers, first of all, uh, app publishers, for reasons that are mind-blowingly dumb, I guess laziness, don't, um, don't make their apps available in the Amazon store. If you have a Fire tablet, which, by the way, is the most popular tablet in America uh-huh. and most popular among children, for sure, um, you cannot download things from the Google Play Store. You right. can only download from the Amazon Store. But you can sideload. So, um, so if you have an Amazon tablet, you now probably could play Fortnite, but not if it was in the Google Play Store. Right. Unless, unless the company, the, the Fortnite publisher, also takes the time to put it in the Amazon store. Now, they really ought to. It doesn't take much work to put it in the Amazon store and maintain it there. But I have been shocked time and again uh, when I've tested out like kids' tech toys with my son and found that like these companies are so are make a brain dead business decision and say, Oh, I haven't heard of the Amazon store. I'm not going to put stuff in it just in Google play. And then there's no way to, to then there's no way to get it. Like right. for, for a very long time, 
Uh, I think now they've rectified it, although last I checked, the rectification didn't really work right either. Uh, Lego Boost only worked in... Um, only worked in play. It didn't work on it on um, on Fire Tablet. Then I think they they actually made it available for Fire. But last I checked, you have to actually have GPS services on to run it. Which if you have a kids account, you can't turn on. Right. So like, so you know, just a lot of companies are not thinking straight yeah. when they think about thinking about. The fire fire ecosystem, and you could blame Amazon for not putting play on there, or whatever. But like those are the most popular tablets, the most popular among children. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of parents out there who are like, man, I bought this robot for my kid, and like, hey, wait a second, I can't use it on their fire tablet. Yeah. So that's that's crappy. I'd so I'd like to see more companies, um, more companies like actively providing you with the APK because when you go to sites that like have APKs for you, 99% of the time they don't actually work. You right. like install it and then you open it and it tries to download some type of update uh-huh. and it fails. Um, or, it's, so, or it has in-app purchases which also run through the Google Play Store which Google also takes 30% cut on. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so it'll fail if it checks. If it just checks, have you downloaded any? Or do you own any? As soon as you make that call, the Apple close. Yeah, it's it's so like, you know, now, I mean, I could run all day about the companies that are being dumb by uh-huh. not supporting Amazon. But here's another case. Um, and this is what I personally am excited to do, because this will be a story for me. This will be a story that I hope people will read. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as soon as I find out Fortnite is out, I'm going to install. I believe you can get uh, a version of Android for Raspberry Pi. Uh-huh. Um I'm going to install Android on a Raspberry Pi and I'm going to download Fortnite and I'm going to see if Fortnite for Raspberry Pi, if Fortnite runs on Raspberry Pi. And if it does, I'm going to have a pretty cool video. Yeah, for sure. So like, so, but, but I don't think you can get the Play Store on the version of Android that you would put on an open source device, like a device like Raspberry Pi. Almost if you get not. Because if you install Android on your own, like I forget what they call it, the AOSP version of Android or something, yep. the open source version of Android that is not loaded with Google apps like the Play Store, then you cannot use the Play Store. So like, this is great because it's a victory for anybody who is installing Android on their own on a device yeah. or has a device with a version of Android like the Fire devices that don't. That don't support the Play Store. Now, if I were the Fortnite people, I'd kind of try to do both, but um, obviously they chose. They're choosing not to. Like I would, I would make an APK available on my website that worked, and then I would also do it through the Play Store um, because a lot of people aren't um, aren't hip to the, how easy it is to sideload something. Uh-huh. It's really easy, folks. It's really easy, yeah. and. You, I understand people are worried that like if you turn off the security setting, that kids are just going to go load it up with other stuff. But first of all, it's really hard to get APKs with these APK download sites. They don't work very well, uh, and maybe there maybe there's some like other site out there that I'm missing that you could get them from. Right. But but honestly, like kids could do that now. You for could sure. turn for you sure. You could turn the the setting off now. Yeah. It's very easy to turn the likes 
setting on and off that allows you to sideload apps and Android. Yeah. So and and once you download the thing, turn the setting back on. Or, or back off, yeah. Yeah, so, or whatever. Whichever way the it protection is. back on. Yeah, turn right? the protection so, back on. <laughs> so I don't I don't see it as a as a security problem at all. Yeah. You know, unless it's, people are distributing it on weird places like torrents. Download it from the legitimate uh, Fortnite website, and I'm sure you'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, you're going to see um, some, like, scammy-type sites try and pop up because I, there are there are scammy installers for fake Fortnite on Google Play now. Uh, yeah. Right now. You'll... Yes, because they're they're appealing to a demand uh-huh. for a product that doesn't exist. Exactly. Once the real product exists, they're going to have a harder time. For sure. Uh, but but yes, there will always be people trying to scam you. Yeah. And to these folks, I say, you ought to be smart enough in 2018 to know a legitimate uh-huh. uh, website from a not legitimate one. Yeah. If the publisher look at the domain for Fortnite is there, why would you go download it from somebody else? Right. Absolutely. Look at the domain name at the top of the website. Um, and I in in the chat room right now, I see there's a <laughs> there's a lot of conversation about Fortnite, um, in particular from Elijah, who is a Fortniter. Um, I know, actually plays a lot. I got a screenshot of it earlier. <laughs> uh, it's it's a it's a popular game among a lot of people and uh i know installing it on that only making it available to the 15 percent of the mobile market and not the 85 percent has annoyed a lot of people so it'll be interesting to see how this goes i have a better question for those in the chat room and for you scott okay what do what do you think of people this could have been a topic for this week and i'm just bringing it up what do you think of people who are paying professional video game uh, tutors to teach their kids how to play Fortnite better? Okay, this is far from the first game that this has been the case for. Um, there have been professional Counter-Strike tutors for decades. Um, I don't personally understand it for most people. If you want to go... like, If your goal is to go into like professional gaming. Okay. I I can understand that just like any other professional activity having a coach absolutely makes sense. But yeah, if you're if you're just like Johnny random 12-year-old and mom and dad are paying a professional coach for you, that is crazy to me. Yeah, so there was did you see the article about absolutely. that in Wall Street Journal that I I think I linked to it. That that see that's crazy. So there, what what what's crazy about it? And I'm talking now as a parent, not a not a tech expert. Uh, is some of the parents were saying things like, "Hey, you know, I I don't want my son to be made fun of for losing in Fortnite at school. He's going to have a hard time with his friends if he loses. Like, what are you teaching your kid if you're teaching them that they have to win a video game and that that's so important?" That they have to, like, you have to pay somebody $50 an hour to help them win a video game. Most parents, myself included, okay, and I play video games with my son. I'm a big supporter of video games. Do not want to encourage their kids to play more video games, you know? Right. So, so, you know, 
that you're that you have parents out there who are really worried about like, oh, my son's just not going to fit in socially in school if because his friends are going to make fun of him because he loses in Fortnite. Get some new friends, right? Or get some self confidence. Like, you know, I mean, listen, I if you I've seen people make analogies of it with like being good with athletics. Like I was not good with athletics. I was not always pick last in gym. And like that was that was, you know, not the best thing for me socially in school. But, you know, if if I had gotten some like training and how to like, you know, I don't know, play dodgeball better. I mean, that might have helped me, I guess. But at the same time, like at least I would have been getting exercise there. So that would have been a plus. Like, you know, sitting in front of a screen. We do it. We love it not exactly something that parents are meant to be encouraging their kid to do more of unless they're doing something constructive there. And it's hard to argue. I'm sorry to say that, that playing video games constructive. On the other hand, look, there are scholarships out there and tournaments and whatever, but I really don't think you can, you can push a kid into that. You know, especially some of the things I was reading about like 10 year olds doing it. Uh It's just, To me, I'm sorry. That's bad parenting. Especially when you take into consideration that in two years, chances are people won't remember the name. And if they Fortnite, yeah, because that's how because that's how video games are. You know, that that's true. I mean, at least if you're teaching your kid little league like baseball, that's been around a while. Yeah, baseball's not going anywhere. Football's not going anywhere. Soccer's not going anywhere. But you know, video games don't just don't survive <laughs> even yeah i mean I even, suppose if it's a, you even if it's a franchise you know all right so call of duty is still around but the gameplay today isn't what it was three years ago so if you got good is, three years ago it doesn't necessarily carry over maybe the skills are transferable if you're good at at, at, at you know at doing battle royale games you'll be good at doing other battle royale games maybe. i really don't know I mean, but yeah, it just, it seems absolutely ludicrous to me I'm with you just there. From, a, from a parenting perspective. Uh, but I, I, I am very happy for the folks who are able to earn $50 an hour playing, teaching people about video games. Sure. My son heard about this and he thinks it's a great career path. He would love to do it. To, to be a trainer? Yes. He, he said he wants to be a video game teacher. He wants to, to, but he thinks video game teacher is like in school, uh-huh. you know, teaching kids in front of the blackboard and, you know, having summers off. What an incredible visual that is. Yeah. You know, he, th- he thinks that video game teacher is like, a, you know, he doesn't get that it's like online tutor. Yeah. He I, thinks it's going to be like his kindergarten teacher, or his first grade teacher sure. is going to have. That know. is. Anyway, that is an awesome visual in my head now of somebody at a blackboard or a whiteboard trying to teach a video game. <laughs> my my guess is not nearly as successful. If you were in college, it would be like the sociology of video games or something. Um, <laughs> yes, indeed. you'd write it. You'd write a thesis. Um, a- anyway, <laughs> I digress. But I just had to. I just had to bring that up because yeah. it's been such a topic of conversation with me and my family and my friends. Like, can you believe that people are paying? You know, maybe we're sold fogies. I don't know. They're paying in, for video game tutoring. In the in the chat room, uh, Matthew says uh, maybe if you're good enough but need a little 
bit of tutoring to be a pro, sure, which I think is kind of where we were. If you were, you know, if you're trying to become a professional gamer, it makes sense. But if you're 11 year old Timmy, it's a little silly. Yeah. If yes, if you're like a, an adult or close to an adult, and you're going to be going into professional esports, then yes, having training makes sense. Yeah. But but your te- a ten year old should not be thinking about going into professional esports. <laughs> Fair enough. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is probably powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies, or let the professionals do it for you, because that's what they do. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies. From blockbusters to she, there's obviously a little bit of everything. The way it normally works is for a couple of bucks, you download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to exist, and laugh. Uh... From time to time, they uh, also do live events. The next one is coming up soon. It is Crow on August 23rd uh, with an encore performance for the first time on uh, the following Saturday. We've not had uh, a Rift Tracks live on a Saturday, which I think is pretty great. Um, also, they do uh, short films, uh, industry films, including the horrifying one about springs, which will keep you up at night. Uh, even without the riff tracks. Uh, it's terrible. Anyway, uh, to find out what movies are available uh, and to find out what theaters the live event will be in, you can go to f5live.tv slash riff tracks. Uh, springs. Anyway. Uh, did you know that golf isn't as much fun without springs? I didn't. All right, so... So, in 2010, uh, Google and uh, Yahoo had an interesting situation in China where the government required that they um, censor their search results and the content that they showed within the country. In particular, they did not want content relating to uh, democracy, uh, uh, um, what human rights... um, uh, protesting things like that to uh, to show up on the internet anywhere, and uh, both Google and Yahoo made the decision to uh, not censor their search results. Um, it was in May of uh, 2010 that that Google um, stopped censoring any content on their search in China, and within hours, Google was banned in the country. Uh, it started with YouTube, and it trickled pretty quick to all of the properties within a matter of hours. Uh, and that was in 2010. At the time, their uh, chief counsel said, We want as many people in the world as possible to have access to our services, including users in mainland China. Yet, the Chinese government has been crystal clear throughout our discussions that self-censorship is a non-negotiable legal requirement, which was something that they were not willing to do. Um, they did not want to censor any content. Now, eight years later, the environment inside of Google has uh, changed. We see the company self-censoring content on YouTube all the time. There's even 
some some evidence, though a little shaky, that they might uh, also do the same thing uh, up and down page rank uh, web pages based on content. Um, so it's definitely a different era for the company, and apparently they have decided that now is the time to re-enter China, and they have been speaking, according to reports, with the Chinese government about reintroducing a censored search in the country, which is fascinating, considering how strongly worded their their statement was in 2010, um, for them to now be like, yeah, we're not, that it's okay, we're not so worried about it now. They're probably taking the tack that, well, who's, who's getting that data, that's those searches now, Baidu? Uh-huh. They're probably taking the, the the they're probably taking the tact that oh well listen somebody's going to provide censored search results for for this con- for for this country which is the biggest market in the world you know so you know if someone's going to do it why not us um, I see both sides of this issue I mean the censorship you know of of those sorts of things is is a requirement to to do business mm-hmm. to do business in mainland China, and you know everybody wants to do business in mainland China. And like, as a business, is it your job to is it your job to stand up to um, a foreign government or, or any government, or is it your job to provide to provide services? Now, you know. You could stand on principle. Um, I mean, I don't think it's quite the same to say that Google is um, censoring content on YouTube or, you know, trying to pull like things out of results. And then Google is having a government direct what they can show, Mm -hmm. you know. I mean, and the rationale for things that they have pulled from places like YouTube is these things are offensive in some way or they're copyright violation in some way. You know, it's not, Hey, we, we support this political philosophy over that one. Um, but you know, China is a country and a lot of other countries like, uh, have this philosophy also that like, you know, they, they control, they set limits on, on, on freedom of speech Mm -hmm. and, if you want to, you know, to play there, you've got to play by the Chinese government's rules, which is not too dissimilar from, I mean, if you want to play here, you've got to play by our government's rules, too. True. We just have a different set of rules. Right. So um, I think what looks really bad here is that Google never said that they, Google said that they weren't going to go along with this and other, con, and other you know, if they had never said that, then it, it wouldn't look as bad for them right. now that like, hey, we totally changed our our perspective. I mean, I wonder whether they're going to try to spin it in some way, like, hey, we reached some compromise with the Chinese government, what that's not really much of a compromise. Right. Or or whether they're just gonna say like you know, be really honest and say something like, Look, we changed our minds, you know, 
you know, China, the government of China is very stable. It's going to be like this. It's good. You know, we don't expect, you know, we don't expect this policy of this policy in China about, you know, censorship to change anytime soon. The communist party has been, the communist party has been in charge for a long time and that's not going to change. Right. Exactly. So we want to, and we want to do business there. So we got to play by the rules, you know, like, you know, that's, I mean, every company wants to do business in China. And the reason is pretty obvious. You have a very, you have a lot of people, you have a very, a very stable, um, you have a, a country that's very stable politically, you know, it's, there's not a lot of, you know, in, instability there. And like, you know, it's, you know, it's so the, so, and you've got, a rising middle class. So you've got, you know, all the conditions for like, you know, big time consumerism. And so, you know, do people want, want to be part of, part of that, you know, and, and make that money. And I think the answer is almost a hundred percent of all companies. Yes. They want, they want that business. Well, to get that business, they're going to have to deal with a small collection of senators who uh, sent a letter to Google this week uh, based on the report that was published um, that said it is a coup for the Chinese government, the Communist Party to force Google, the biggest search engine in the world, to comply with their onerous censorship requirements and sets a worrying precedent for other companies seeking to do business in China without compromising their core values. Uh, I don't know if it's a precedent for other businesses. It's, it's a precedent for Google. Um, I mean, if if they can if they can force one of the largest companies in the world to do what they say, it certainly doesn't make a, a smaller company give a smaller company a whole lot of negotiating room. I don't know. I mean, is there is there negotiation with the Chinese government? I don't think that there is. I mean, like the. I don't see, I mean, I guess yeah. the Chinese government would like the economic activity that Google would generate, but, you know, there's an alternative. They've got Baidu. There's Baidu. They've got Baidu, which I think, doesn't the Chinese government have some stake in Baidu, too? It's a communist country. They own 100% stake in everything. I don't know. I don't know about that, but, they, you know, they... I believe they have some interest in it. So like, why, you know, it's not necessarily to the government's advantage to have Google there. I mean, I guess it's not to their disadvantage. There's some pros to it, but it's not like they really need Google, right? Google. So I think Baidu produces, Baidu produces search. Baidu produces a mobile operating system. Baidu does almost everything that Google does. It has mimicked it rather frighteningly over the years. I mean, you know, there's a lot of ways, by the way, in which uh, China can actually be independent of needing anything from American companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that happened, flew under, a story that flew under the radar a couple of weeks ago, but uh, we covered it on Tom's Hardware, is that AMD licensed x86 uh, technology to some Chinese manufacturers. Uh-huh. Which means that 
Chinese manufacturers run by the Chinese government can now make Intel compatible Wintel chips, x86 chips yeah. on their own. They don't need to buy them from AMD or Intel. Right. So, so it's uh, you know that's another way in which like China can be can be in, independent of uh, you know of you know U.S. companies. Uh, you know now Paul Alcorn, who's our CPU editor, actually said he he thinks I I don't I don't really buy this that because because ultimately um, because ultimately the U.S. government has some authority to would have some authority to block. I don't know if they do have this authority, but he believes that like if if like there was a really big international conflict between China and the United States, the United States could block AMD and Intel from selling chips to China, and that and that that would be like that would be just like a disaster and would would a disaster like a, a huge leverage over over the Chinese government that we can we can hold back this technology from you from your your country uh, and that this uh, now that they have a license to make their own x86 chips takes that that uh, leverage away but I'm not I'm not sure that I buy this because I don't foresee Intel on AMD I mean don't they have fabs there in China so like even if they're American companies, I don't. I don't know. They, this is a little complicated for me. But um, they, they they would the the Chinese would certainly be able to produce x eighty six chips without us if we were to if the government were to close off trade with the government of China. But so yeah, I mean there. The but now reason... they've actually had the IP license to them, so they can get up and running making like AMD compatible AMD style chips Le- legally, Le- legally, <laughs> so that they don't actually need so that whether or not the U.S. decides to say embargo these chips in the future, right. which that would be a really serious like uh-huh. international conflict. So I really hope that never happens, um, but. You know, they would just stop buying Intel and AMD chips, which would be bad for those two companies. So it seems rather dumb that AMD licensed them this technology. But um, but there you there you have it. Even even if they haven't hadn't licensed it, it's not like uh, it's not like there's not Chinese manufacturers that aren't afraid to produce knockoff products. Yeah, but I mean, how? I mean, now they have the whatever you know. They have the secret sauce. So, I mean, I don't know how so, easy it is to somebody to over clone there. A chip. Somebody over there was manufacturing them. Anyway, somebody must have had the secret sauce ahead of time. That's true too, right? That I mean, this is what they are. <laughs> yeah. This is the this is the, this is the conversation I have with Paul. I was like, well. Don't they? I mean, I don't know exactly where all the fabs are located, but I'm pretty sure there are some fabs that are producing chips for be. Intel or AMD in in mainland China, where you know a lot of the manu- electronics manufacturing takes place. So, like, yeah, if if things push really came to shove, couldn't they just repossess the fact? Couldn't the government just repossess the, the foundry? Like, exactly. Yeah. So, 
but uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> and, I yeah, I don't know. I just I I had to bring that up because it seems that you know a lot of you know everybody wants to do business. Everybody wants to do business in China, and remember that the Chinese government can operate very independently. Right. So if you want that money, you got to play ball. Exactly. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. You know your basic uh, benefits. You know that you can get uh, free shipping, sometimes same day uh, shipping on lots of products on Amazon with Prime. But what you might not know is some of the other benefits you get, like Amazon Prime Video, where you can watch lots of movies and TV shows, including, interestingly enough, uh, some of the Rift Tracks events. <laughs> that we mentioned before, including the terrifying spring video. Um, you can also get Amazon Prime Music, where you have uh, several million tracks available to stream for free, included in your plan. And, uh, of course, Twitch Prime, which uh, gives you the ability to, um, A, get one free subscription to a channel on, uh, on Twitch, which, of course, you can always use to subscribe to ours. Uh, and you get free games, and the games switch out uh, every month. And um, once they're yours, they're yours. Um, so play them and enjoy them. I've been playing through a, uh, a Prime game recently myself, Psychonauts. They came to us a couple months back. It's one of my all-time favorite games. So it's not just like indie games and stuff. There are some uh, uh, frontline games available as well. And there's a whole bunch of other features that are available um, with Amazon Prime. And you can find out a bunch of those features. And if you're not already subscribed, get a 30-day free trial by going to f5live.tv slash prime. Another company that's been trying to, uh, to compete with that Amazon Prime music has been uh, YouTube Music. Uh, Avram and I talked about it about two and a half months ago when they uh, when Google did a whole big kind of refresh on their uh, on their music brands and uh, made YouTube Music the new primary uh, music brand. And um, in that two and a half months, um, it has had its ups and downs. Uh, the The service certainly has a lot of music, uh, more than many of the other ones, um, primarily because uh, the, the artists themselves upload music to, uh, to YouTube, even if they aren't signed up with Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon Music. Um, so YouTube Music has a lot, of, a lot of tracks available to it, but its user experience has been, let's say, questionable. Uh, the searchability is bad it isn't really organized for albums so if you're looking for that that exciting new uh, album that came out from an artist trying to sort it by album is a little complicated um, or trying to sort your music in general has been complicated and um, so a lot of users who signed up and got their you know their free try on all that uh, moved back 
to the streaming service of their choice uh, previously, so Spotify or Amazon Music or whatever. And um, YouTube has taken notice at the churn that they ha- <clears throat> that they have seen, and they have finally committed to a uh, feature release cycle to address the things that people dislike about the service. The uh, the cycle will be every two weeks. There will be new features and um, uh, adjustments to the to the interface itself, which is the number one complaint. Uh, the first new feature to come out just came out uh, yesterday, I think, and it gives uh, it gives the ability to save music to not your internal storage. So if you have a phone that has very minimal internal storage and you've got a huge micro SD card in it, you can actually take advantage of that space because obviously we know that's why you bought that SD card (laughs) was for media. Uh, You can now take advantage of that with YouTube Music and that is just the first of the the issues that they want to address. Uh, They talked about user experience issues. My guess is hopefully addressing the search and album capabilities first because I tried it and it made it impossible to use for me because of the way I listen to music. So it was it was a, a, a no-go uh, for me uh, as an option. So it's good that they recognize that there are problems and they saw the churn in, in uh, user engagement and are, and are committing to put new features out every two weeks. Hmm. So here's what I don't get. Right. So why would you want YouTube music? Spotify has all these features and it has, um, I don't know the size of the library, but it's huge. Yes, it is a huge, huge library. It also, uh, will store things on your SD, on your SD card. I know cause I do it. Uh-huh. Um, so like, YouTube Music, do they even give you do they, what is their library like? Are they just letting you get a better experience from all of the numerous copyright violations that are already on YouTube? <laughs> um it it is definitely um uh kind of geared toward the official uploads, the the v- Vimo, is that the name? Um and then the indie artists and stuff like that that all that all upload uh, content to YouTube while not having to deal with the issues of um, like when you turn the screen off, it stops playing. Um, So it gives you kind of like that, that Spotify or that Amazon music style service while also uh, having a big following through indie artists, which may or may not be able to get their music onto onto Amazon or onto to Spotify or Apple music or title, or there's a name we haven't talked about in a while. Uh, you know, the, the Indies may not be able to get their stuff in there, but getting it into YouTube music is really easy. So from a, a catalog perspective, it's, it's big. Um, but there's a lot of indie stuff in there that you may not find other places. Um, uh, for, for me, uh, Spotify is definitely where I'm I'm still living. Uh there wasn't there wasn't any benefit to the YouTube music 
experience. Obviously, when something new comes out, especially if they're going to give me a free trial, I'll try it, see what I think of it, um, and compare it to everything else I've touched. Um, but for me, there just wasn't a, there simply wasn't a benefit to it. So here's the other and it was problem painful with all to, of that. And it was painful to use. Even if even if the interface worked wonderfully, right? Like one of the things that you get, and I guess it depends on like the type of music that you like mm-hmm. and whatever, but if you want to listen to a whole bunch of like albums that came out before the age of of Vimeo, I think it is, that that does all of the, those video up all those video uploads. V- Vimeo is a YouTube competitor. I think Oh no no no. Okay, it's not Vimeo. I think so Vimo. I'm always, Vimo, I confuse them. Okay. If before Vimo, first of all, I don't think Vimo uploads every every nope. every song on the album. Correct. Uh, as a video. And I don't think Vimo will go, goes back in time and gives uh-huh. you and gives you all of the Curtis Mayfield albums from the 70s as vid- music videos. Right. So Right. The thing is the thing is that Spotify has a huge back uh-huh. complete back catalog uh and forward catalog like they they also get all the newest stuff so like i'm hard usually, pressed to understand usually first right so i'm hard pressed to understand and it's not like youtube music is so much cheaper it's the same price uh-huh. so like it's also 9.99 a month yep. or 14.99 a month for family plans so where's the advantage i don't know it, i mean <laughs> independent artists i mean there's a lot of really small artists on spotify and and yeah there are. if you really want to want to try somebody who's new and independent artist that's on youtube then you can still watch them on youtube for free oh yeah you can't do it with a screen off okay but i mean which by the way is really lame to charge you for that because that's uh. just like a feature of the app that like any android app could do that it's you know there's some API that I think you need to do with that you I think you need to do in Android to make your your app able to continue playing audio when the computer when the phone is quote unquote asleep. But I but, but I don't know if that I don't know if hard. that applies if the file is a video though. I think that well, only applies if the file is an audio file. Well, yeah, I mean, it's YouTube, so they can decide to treat it as an audio file sure. or whatever. Which, I mean, which is what they're doing with YouTube music is they're only uh, I think they're only pulling down the, the audio tracks with the ability to turn on music videos similar to what uh, Xbox music did. Wow. Wrong brand. It was after Xbox music. Uh, <laughs> um, groove music. You know what I, I, I would really like an app to be able to do, actually, and Spotify can't do this, and I'm not really sure, like to be able to maintain control of your audio even as you go into other apps because I find what happens is if you, you're listening to music on Android and you start surfing the web and there's a web page that wants to play audio uh-huh. and you don't, want it, you don't want it to play audio, right? But... But if the web page attempts to play audio, it stops your Spotify. Mm. And you have to go and start Spotify start again. And then, you again. Scroll down the, and then you start scrolling down the web page, and the web page wants to autoplay a video that has sound. Yeah. And you you go and you have to stop it, and you hit start on Spotify again. Uh-huh. And here's another 
God Here's for, another one. Let's God say, forbid you're trying to scroll through Instagram while listening to music. Right. Or, <laughs> you know, here's another one. Let's say you want to play a game and you turn the sound off in the game because you don't need the sound in the game and you're listening to music, sure. but you can't do it because once one app claims control of the audio, even if it's completely silent, it overrides the other one. Really? So. I think that's an Android feature. I think because I've had it happen with other things. I don't think it's Spotify. I think it's a feature of Android. Yikes. That like once once the most recent app to claim uh, audio rights is ha- assumes control. Uh, unified media players. Uh. <laughs> so... Which is weird because I think in Windows, like if I have five things playing, they're just going to play on top of each other. Yeah, in Windows, Windows it will. Um, in Windows Mobile, it didn't. Um, I know. I know with iOS, if I've got music playing and I open up a game that I've turned the music off on, my music will continue to play. I also know that the uh, Instagram client on Windows Phone six tag, uh, when it tried to play music, it would check is somebody else doing or play audio it would check somebody else is playing audio. Um, do you want us to just ignore <laughs> the sound? Which was pretty great. It is disappointing that the developers have to be prepared for that though. As, as you're saying, it would be maybe nice since it is a central control. It would be nice if the thing would say, Hey, somebody else is trying to steal control. Do you want to ignore that? Or something right right yes yeah. that would be that would that would be nice i don't know i mean maybe google is working on a fix for that or maybe there is a fix for it and just mm-hmm. hasn't been implemented by the developers but i that's an annoyance i experience every day yeah for um, sure. that would be annoying but yeah i'm but, i'm with you i don't think i don't think youtube music was necessarily needed um and definitely in its current state at its price point, it's not valuable. When they dump the Google Play Music streaming service and it all comes under one brand and you've got all of the music in your catalog is similar to, if not identical to, the other guys, um, maybe it starts to become a competitor. But in its current state, it is not. Unless, like, unless you're just, like, you want the whatever it's called now, whatever YouTube red is today. I think it's YouTube premium or something, uh, where the YouTube music comes with it. And so now you don't have to pay the extra for, uh, for Spotify. Okay. Maybe, but right now it is definitely not worth considering on its own. And that is our show. Thank you to those of you who uh, joined us in the chat room. Uh, Elijah says, uh, Pandora, hello, don't forget about Pandora. I'm sorry, uh, most everybody has forgotten about Pandora at this point. (laughs) Um, uh, But thank you to those of you who have been in the chat room this evening. Uh, If you're not joining us live, you can do that on Sunday nights by going to uh, f5live.tv slash join us at about 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and you can join us in the chat room as well and comment on the topics. Um, and we might give you a little bit of ribbing about your comments as well. 
Uh, if you have joined us live, you can also subscribe to this and the other shows by going to plugkitslive.com slash subscribe. Uh, there you will see F5 Live and the Pilch Point, as well as a number of other uh, series, including our special events and uh, first looks. And um, yeah, I think I think that just about does it. And so on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we will see you guys back next week. Ciao.